for anybody that's wondering, does real estate work? You don't have to take our word for it. You don't even have to be our client. Just go look at these numbers and look at this type of home. You guys know what we do. This is Moneyball Real Estate. This is hitting singles. Go look at what the averages have been over the years, and it should help you paint a really powerful picture of what a bunch of little micro wins could do, how micro wins can lead to mega wins when it comes to real estate. What would your life look like if you could replace all of your working income with simple and conservative investments that could do it for you? Over the last 13 years, we've helped thousands of clients transact over half a billion dollars in simple and conservative real estate transactions, allowing them to begin replacing their work income with real estate investment income. Each week, we'll be pulling back the curtain on the ins and outs of real-time, retirement-based real estate transactions that will transform your financial future, even if you have no real estate experience. This is Replace Your Income with me, Kevin Clayson. And Steve Earle. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Replace Your Income with Kevin and... Steve. We are going to start with a number. Are you ready, Steve? Are you ready, ready. for number time? I'm ready. 88K, everybody. Get ready. This is the number. 88,443,848 dollars. I'm just gonna hang it out there for a little bit. I just want to see how dramatic we could make the pause. Steve, let's not tell them what that number is yet, because I want everybody to just wonder what in the world could it be? What could be 88 million dollars? Actually, technically. $88,443,848. What could that possibly be? You guys put your thinking caps on because I want to know, Steve, what's up, man? How are you? I'm doing well. How's it going? I went and saw Jordan Peterson last night. Oh, yeah. Nice. You know who Jordan Peterson is, I know is, Jordan, right? yeah. This guy, I think he's the modern day Aristotle or, yeah. or Plato sure. or Socrates I'd or the three of them combined. Yeah. Because for those of you who don't know who Jordan B. Peterson is, he is a... Uh, he's Canadian. He, he, what he is, and you could tell right away, eh? Because right when he came out, you know, he's saying a boot and stuff like that. So I knew Jordan Peterson is this massively best-selling author. The guy wrote probably the book that he became really well-known for is called The 12 Rules of Life or 12 Rules for Life. And then he's done some other books. The guy is one of the greatest minds on the planet. And I got to tell you, it was incredible. Steve, the Vivint Smart Home Arena, is that what it's called now? Where the Jazz yeah. play? There must have been at probably near 15,000 people. That's how many tickets were sold to go hear this guy lecture for one hour. I was curious, like, when I found out he was speaking, and I was like, at the Vivint Arena, I was like, yeah. what? Like, he can fill the Vivint Arena? I was, Dude, I was blown away. I could not believe it. And the entire time I was thinking, everybody here needs our podcast. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking, everybody here should be listening to Replace Your Income. But dude, it was incredible. The guy has this incredible brain and the way that he breaks down ideas and thoughts and just the way that we maybe view reality and humanity was just incredible. It was it was awesome. You know, we should, you know, we should do. Hey, I'm curious if you guys are listening out there, would you ever want us? Sometimes we put on Instagram, like we put books that we're reading or books that are important. I'm wondering, do you think it would ever be interesting to our listeners, to you guys out there, if Steve and I, from time to time, took a book that has impacted our lives that we love and do like a brief overview of it, almost like a little mini replace your income book club? Do you think that would be interesting or would that be boring? <laughs> as long as we could tie it to real estate. 
Well, of course, I'm thinking like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, The Millionaire Next Door, right? Books like that, The Science of Getting Rich, Thinking well, Grow Rich. Well, really, all of those are like a big part of our philosophical like uh, secret sauce of, that we've kind of put together, right? Like the totally. things that we talk about aren't just like nuts and bolts, real estate 101, this That's is right. what you do. Like we really bring in a lot of different thoughts and perspective. And I think a lot of them are influenced by all of these books that we've collectively read. Oh, 100%. That's why I wonder if it would be interesting. So hit me up on email, kevin at dfy-realestate.com if you think you'd like something like that. And if I don't hear from anybody, I'm gonna assume that you would all love it and we'll just do it in the future. But um, but no, so we've got an awesome topic today and I already introduced the topic, Steve. I introduced it by saying 88443848 dollars Steve, what? Is that number? Pretty sure that's your salary. Oh, yeah. Let's go with that. That's my annual salary. Yeah, uh-huh. okay. That is, and you know what? You can tell by my 2009 Dodge Ram truck out there. That's it. You got to be making it. You got to be pulling 88 mil to get one of those. Well, hey, that's just you implementing the millionaire next door <laughs> philosophy. Yeah, exactly. So everybody, this is what you need to know. We just recently released something that we have been releasing Steve, when did we start releasing this report? So like in 2014, I think, well, 2013. Well, I know on the website, yeah, we've got a 2013. That might have been the first one that, that we, we published. Really, so, yeah. yeah, probably 2010 then maybe. If you guys want to know what we're talking about, all you have to do is go to dfy-realestate.com, click on the see the results button. And at the top of the page, you're going to see buttons that have years on them. And the most recent button that's been added is the year 2021. And what that number is, it's the number right at the top of the report. This is our done-for-you real estate 2021 annual acquisitions report. Steve, what we're going to do today, and what I want you to do in just a second here, but just so everybody knows, one of the things that I love about what we try to do with this company is we try to be wildly transparent, right? Like we're not holding anything back. Like for those of you that know us or that are just getting to know us, we tell you exactly what our business model is, how we make money. We put proformas together that put all the numbers in. We don't hide fees. We don't stuff fees. We don't do things secretly and pretend that it's not going on just so we can make money and you don't know about it. That's not who we are as a company. And that's evidenced by the fact that every year we put together a full acquisitions report and we show you every single transaction that was completed by our company and by our clients. Now, we hold some personal information back, of course. We don't do full addresses. We do partial addresses. But every single thing is accounted for, and then we put it into a report. We aggregate it, and we put it out every year to say, we are the real deal, holy field. This is 100% legit. And what we thought we'd do today, Steve, is we would run through the 2021 annual acquisitions report, and so tell everybody what that $88 million number is. So, Kevin, as you know, like we track every relevant number to real estate, right? And we try and disseminate this information this in this acquisition report on an annual basis. So anybody interested can take a look and see, you know, what we did, what we accomplished this year. And so that we can provide these, you know, really transparent results. So the $88,443,848 represents 411 transactions, right? Across five different markets, really you know, Florida, Indiana, Tennessee, Oklahoma. And then on on the sales side, it also includes Arizona and Nevada. And so we 
spend a lot of time and resources tracking things just so we can, we can see clearly. So we can talk to our clients about here's what you can expect. And then when you and I talk like data and information and averages and projected timeframes and projected results, like they're really based on results. We're not just kind of pulling things out of the air. We're not like having these crazy thoughts and ideas. Hey, well, this sounds really good. Let's use this number. You know, we thought it would be really interesting to go through some of these numbers and maybe what's the first one you want to talk about, Kevin? Yeah, well, and and I want to do this too. Before we kind of dive into the numbers and talk about those, I know I had zero impact on deciding to put this annual acquisitions report together initially, but I'm sure that it was either sparked by you, prompted by you, designed by you. Why did we start doing this? I Once we started to do it, because I'm not really on the acquisition side, right? I'm much more on the front end and I work with folks that are coming into the company and kind of learning about us and I do a lot of the education and content like this, but I don't really work on the actual acquisition side of the company. And so when we started to put this report together and I saw it, my eyes just got big because I went, holy cow, this is the coolest thing ever. Who does this? So what was the genesis of the acquisitions report? Just because I honestly don't know that story. Yeah, so as emotional as many of the decisions are that we make, you know, as human beings, when you're involved in real estate or you're making a financial decision, you want to pull as much of the emotion out of it as you can, and you want to make data-driven decisions. And so we thought 10 plus years ago, I guess about 12 years ago now, that it's like, hey, we should start gathering this information so that in the coming years, we can refer back to it and help our clients truly, truly make better data-driven decisions. And then also on our part as well, right? Everything that we do, the markets that we choose, like we're going to be opening up four to five markets this year. And they're all data-driven decisions. It's 45 not markets? four to five markets kidding. this year. <laughs> <laughs> we try and pull the motion out of it. It's like, hey, this is a really cool place to go. They got palm trees. It's like, well, that's not a good reason to go right. buy real estate there. Although there's one good reason. There's palm trees. There's palm trees. Right. Says something but, about the climate. <laughs> but then, you know, the rest of the decisions need to be based in financial decision-making. So really, that was the driver here, Kev, is just this whole idea to have this aggregation of information about the properties that we're buying and selling in the various markets in which we're at. So that here's one of the other things is we knew because by design, we have a lot of repeat customers Mm -hmm. and it's, it's because we're trying to help people put together portfolios of properties over long periods of time to help change the outcome of their retirement and cash flow situations in the future. And so it's like, what better way to do that if, if we can gather and have information that helps them make better decisions along the way. And so we've taken it upon ourselves to really gather the information, number one, and then number two, organize it in such a way that that it makes sense and to focus on those things that are most important when making decisions about real estate, whether to buy, whether to sell, whether to refinance, whatever the case may be. Now, it was just interesting while you were talking, I went and looked up the 2013, right? So guess what the number was in 2013? No idea. 38 million, oh, okay. a little over 38 million. Now, what's interesting is you look at the average acquisition price, which we put in there. And I, honestly, I love this, right? Because we talk about real estate and we talk about, well, is this just a big equity year? Is real estate really always growing? What is happening? Well, look, in 2013, let's see, we uh, was, was Barack Obama. He would have been president, right? So, because let's see, Trump got elected in 2016, right? So it was the end of Obama. Then we have Trump. Now we have Biden. Is that right? Am I thinking yep. through that right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So in that time frame, right, different, uh, a variety of different things have happened in the economy. 
But the average acquisition price back then was about 130, and this last year was about 223,000. Now, we'll likely see that the acquisition price is pushed up even above that. We know we'll see it higher than that in 2022. But I love that because I look at it and I go, look at the scope, not just the volume in terms of dollars of transactions, but also we get to go back. And if we wanted to go and plot data from 2013 all the way through 2021 and actually take a look at what's been happening, it's so cool that we have the ability to do that. And what I love about this annual acquisitions report is it means that you guys, if you're listening and you're ever like, let's say, and by the way, we've had so much feedback lately from some of you who just found the podcast, who binge all of the episodes. We love you. We're so thankful to you. You guys are so complimentary and we will continue to do all that we can to, to keep you listening and, and hopefully keep you interested. But it, you know, if you've been thinking about working with us or, or not, or if you've just been, you're listening because you like real estate and you're just kind of interested in what we do as a company or, or not, these are really cool reports to go and look at. And so what we're gonna do today is we're gonna highlight some of the things that we love in these reports that I think is really interesting data points that make people go, huh, so this is really what's going on in the market. And so the first one, which we already told you, is that there was a total of 411 transactions resulting in over $88 million in total acquisition and sale price that encapsulated 2021. But one of the numbers that I love on this thing, and I don't think that we had this back in 2013, maybe we did, but if you go and look at the report, if you scroll down about halfway down the first page, there's this uh, super cool number that says rejected. And this is so awesome. This is one of my favorite numbers in the whole report. And this number says 270. Steve, what was rejected 270 times and why is that cool? Well, to, just to provide some context, right, is we have this acquisition department. Every property that our clients look at through a pro forma, that property was went through a vetting process. And this number, 270, is 270 homes were presented to Done For You Real Estate from our agents in the markets that got rejected. And to add some context to that, like that number has been going up exponentially over the last year because the number of homes that we have to look at in order to find one that actually fits our criteria and then that which we get to actually put under contract has gone up significantly. Yeah. So for instance, in one single week, if you look at our numbers last week, Kev, the number of properties that we looked at and vetted was 72. And of those 72, there were 45 that passed the test. And then of those 45, only last week, it was 13 actually went under contract. Yeah. So to get those 13 properties, we had to go through 72 properties. And so our pro forma analyst who goes through and analyzes the pro formas, like it's a pretty daunting task yeah. and it's just relentless, right? As these performers come in and we're vetting them and going through the art process. And so that number of rejected is pretty cool because that represents the fact that our clients didn't have to go through that process to figure out how to reject those properties to begin with. They only got to see the ones that met all the criteria and made the cut. Oh, and PS, let me add some additional context because what does it even take for a property to come to us to be able to put into a pro forma? I mean, we've got agents in the market who are coordinating with property managers in the market. We're getting rent projections. We're taking a look and making sure that the property's in the right location and that it looks like it appears to check the boxes, right? Bed, bath, neighborhood, location, purchase price, potential cash flow, so on and so forth, right? It's going through an in-market uh, set of criteria 
that our agents in the market and, and our team in the market and the property managers in the market, they're looking, they're finding, and they're saying, this one looks like a good one. Then it's getting sent to our acquisition department. This is all stuff, by the way, guys, this is so cool. I love this for our clients, Steve, because when our clients see a property, it's not like our team went on the MLS and was like, this one seemed like it popped up at the top of the search. There is so many steps that are happening in order for our clients to even see a property, there's been the initial market research that was done. Then that property gets sent over to us. Then we have a team and a pro forma analyst that's plugging in all the numbers, making sure that it meets our secret formula, secret sauce that goes into the pro forma, then seeing if it's rejected or accepted. And we're not just looking at the numbers to make sure that from a numbers perspective that it works, which also includes a live projected rent analysis from our actual property manager. We're not just going to rentler.com or someplace and just kind of getting a good idea. It's like, no, we're getting the actual numbers that our property manager says, yeah, I can rent it for between this and this, number one. Number two, we're looking at the age of the property. When was the last time the roof was replaced or any of the major systems like the HVAC, the water heater, the roof, and the major systems in in, in the, the powder property, room, right? What about the powder of room? Of course, we, the, we the, got to look at the powder room. room. Yeah, and you know th- those types of things. And then we're looking at you know, okay, from a projected rent standpoint, how does it do on the pro forma? Does it meet the minimum cash flow, combined cash on cash, annualized returns, like all of those numbers? And so there's quite a bit that goes into the whole thought process like end analysis, like there's a legit analysis process on the property. And then it gets sent back to the agent who then presents it to the client from the standpoint of making sure that how the property is presented to the client is compliant. It's done by their agent who represents them, has a fiduciary responsibility to them in that market. And then they go through that, through the rest of the the offer process, the negotiation process and so on. So so it's so awesome because this is not just plug in numbers, green light, red light. There's a lot that's happening. Then the numbers get plugged in. Then the numbers get analyzed. Then the pro forma gets constructed. Then- Oh, and then I'll add another thing, Kevin. Oh, please, yeah. <laughs> Which is like the the uh, initially, the real estate agent is also make, making an initial rehab estimate. And it's just more of a guesstimate. But if it goes under contract, then during due diligence, we coordinate with the property manager to go into the property and validate or come up with a more exact rehab, rent-ready rehab estimate. So there's, there's so much coordination that goes on throughout the whole process that, and then, and there, and it goes layers deeper than that, but which we don't need to get into in in this podcast, but all of this stuff, like all of this information is we capture it, we track it. Yeah. And then the relevant information ends up on this report, the things that are, are most critical to prospective or existing clients. And so, you know, like the numbers that Steve shared earlier, I mean, what has to be done in order to find the properties and now that's exponentially increasing. So I love that on this thing, we saw that there's 270 rejected properties. Now, those are rejected properties that already went through layers of vetting. And then when they went through another layer and another layer, eventually we said, nope, those aren't going to work. So I just think this is so critical because of that $88 million that was transacted, a lot of that being purchases, there's so much vetting that takes place. So So let me give you another example, right? So one of the things that we do in our pro forma is we have projected rent and we track that. We keep those numbers. And then post-purchase, we also track what actual rent was. And we also track how many days on market it took to get leased. And all that is in this report. So let me give you a quick example. Yeah, this is awesome. So last year in 2021, as far as percent of 
actual to target rent, target rent being the projected rent, our average percent of actual to target rent was 100.67%. Now, what that means is if we said that a property was going to rent for $1,500, it actually rented for $1,505 in some sense, right? On average. So we can look at each market. In, in Florida, it was 102% target to actual rent. In Indiana, it was 99%. In Tennessee, it was 105%. And in Oklahoma, it was 99%. So the point being, Kev, like the point that I want to make to you and anybody listening to us is that like our performas, they're not just kind of like shoot from the hip, rule of thumb type numbers. It's like, these are the actuals. And so we're, we're going off of history and we're going off the fact that our property managers are giving us the number of the projected rent. So they're giving us numbers that they really, truly, honestly think that they're going to be able to rent these properties for. And it doesn't always happen, right? Sometimes it's a little bit higher. Sometimes it's a little bit lower. But when you look at these actual numbers, 101.67% target to actual rent. Now, what's interesting, if we just want to juxtapose that with 2013, 2013, it was 97%, right? But that was probably, if you go back and you were to go look at our other reports, like I'll pull it up just real quick. Like in 2020, just as an example, the actual to target rent was just over 100%, right? If you go and look at uh, 2019, the actual was right at about 100%, right? You look at 2018, okay? And then I'll make a point why I'm sharing this with you in a second. In 2018, it was 101%. Okay, so the cool thing is that there is a multiple year track record of saying when our teams in the field, the property, but when we're getting these, these rent projections, we're not making this up, right? This is like, when you see the pro forma, we are conservative and we are trying to be as spot on as we can because it makes a difference when you are evaluating a property. And so I'm really proud of that number. I think it's cool. The other number that's super interesting to me for 2021, because Steve, you and I did some podcasts during 2021 and we were saying things like rental demand is really high, right? We were saying things like that. So all right, let's see if we were for real. Well, the average time to lease in 2021 across all the properties that got leased was what? 24 days. 24 days. So that just gives you an idea, right? There was not a single market where the time to lease was on average was longer than 29 days. Now, here's what you need to, to kind of know about that, okay? Is that just because these are the numbers and you could go and look at all these reports, if you're looking at putting a property under contract and, and buying that property and going to get it leased out, just because these are the numbers historically and kind of across the board, it doesn't mean you may not have the outlier. You, you may have the outlier, right? You may have the outlier that takes three months to get rented out. You have to know that. You have to be expecting that when you go into real estate because if you don't go in expecting that, then you're going to be disappointed if something like that happens and you'll start to think, oh my goodness, I made a bad investment. But I've heard Mike make the point, I think he made the point on, on one of the last podcasts that nobody ever looks back five, 10 years down the road of how long that first property took to get leased out that first time or whatever the case may be, right? They're looking at the overall returns and the results. So even with that number of getting that property leased out, that can certainly be an area where people get kind of stressed, right? And rightfully so. It's like, oh my goodness, I just put all this money on the line. I've got this home. How long is it gonna take to get rented out so that I could start collecting checks? Well, if you just look at it historically throughout all the years of the company, you could see that the numbers are pretty good, but especially in 2021, rent demand was high and we saw that reflected right here. 
So another number that I like, Kevin, that I like to look at because it gives our clients a, a really good point of reference as far as what it's going to take to get into the property is your total out of pocket on a finance deal. The majority of our clients put 25% down, but there were, you know, sprinkled in there 20% down. And what's interesting, I don't know if you can look up what the 2013 number is of this. But, uh, yeah, let me try. But the TOP or the total out of pocket average in 2021 was $73,118. Okay, so 73,000. That's what it was last year. Yep. So while you're looking that up for 2013, what's interesting is, you know, things were really trending up the last of the year as prices continue to just really go up. And so this year, that number is already on the average. It's in the high 70s, Kev. So that number is trending upwards. Here it is. The average total out of pocket in 2013 was, what do you think it was? What's your guess? I would guess 40-ish. Yeah, it was 38,367. So think about that. In seven years, it's gone up from 38,000 to 73,000. Now, what's critical about this is the type of homes that we've done have not changed, right? We're doing the same types of homes. It's just that the markets increase, things cost a little bit more. Now, what I think is important about that point is if you're sitting on the sideline going, it seems too expensive to buy real estate now. Look, it's probably not going anywhere, okay? So it's going to continue to increase, which should be a motivation for anybody to say, well, then if I've got the ability and the assets, let me dive in now, because then you get to capture some of that growth and some of that upswing, which it lends itself to the urgency that I know we're feeling right now to help as many people as possible acquire real estate as quickly as possible. Not to mention, I mean, we're not gonna talk, this is not a podcast to talk about inflation, but the, I did a Instagram um, the other day that you guys maybe saw, which was simply this. Look, <laughs> inflation continues to rise. Okay, the Fed is gonna ra raise interest rates in order to hopefully tap down inflation. But the reality is, after a high inflation period and after a long, a very long bull market, we've had a long bull market, what happens? There's ebbs and flows in the stock market. And so I just want you to be asking yourself the question right now, should you be taking some chips off the table? If you've got a lot of money in the stock market, should you be pulling chips off the table and diverting them into something like real estate, right? It's just a thing to consider, okay? Because we know real estate does not move as quickly as a stock market will. You could lose half your value in the stock market tomorrow. That would not happen in real estate. Even if you lost some, it's not gonna be an overnight situation. And especially when you consider what we're talking about, the rents and how and, and getting properties leased out, it's an entirely different scenario. So it's just something to kind of consider and think about right now. Well, Kev, if, if, you, if you do what we do, and that is we look to people and organizations that have been historically very successful financially. If you look at Warren Buffett, if you look at Elon Musk, if you look at Jeff Bezos, if you look at some of these guys, like what are they saying right now? Elon Musk said this just last week in a tweet. He said, in an inflationary period, you need to be putting a certain portion or a large portion or the majority of your assets in hard physical assets, like real estate. Like yesterday, I was coming, it's like, you, you put it in a horse or you put it in a house. <laughs> right. It's like a, a house lasts longer than a horse, but put it in a physical asset. And so a lot of the wealthy right now is they don't even care what the cash flow is. They just know that it's a hedge against inflation right. and that they're going to get the benefits of depreciation, principal pay down, all of the benefits that we talk about all the time, oh, yeah. all the different streams of income that you get from real estate. And they're literally, people are literally dumping money into real estate. I've got some uh, uh, individuals that I know 
who recently they, they started a fund. It's a development fund in real estate, in more of the commercial side of, of things. They raised $100 million in two months. Dang. Like, and, and it's because like the big kids, they know where they need to have their yeah. money right now. And, and they're banking it. They're banking it there. And the, and the reality is, is it, it's going to be a bank that pays them really well. Yeah, 100%. Okay, so we're going to wrap this up, and I'm going to share one last little thing that I really like. So we talked about total acquisition and sales price. We talked about you know rent to target. We talked about days on the market. We talked about rejected pro formas. The other one that I really like and that you guys ought to go take a look at in these annual reports is uh, we put something in there because every year we've got clients that choose to sell a property so that they can go and grow the portfolio. So oftentimes you want to know, okay, so Steve, Kev, what is the actual results that done-for-you real estate clients are experiencing? What would I, whether you're a done-for-you real estate client or not, what would you potentially be experiencing if you had money in real estate and you were doing it right and you were, you were tracking the market? So this is super duper cool. So we break it down by market and on there we say, okay, so you know we used to do a lot of real estate in Arizona and Nevada with our clients. So you take a look at the average sale price of a client who sold a home in Arizona in order to take, and then we're gonna talk about the equity that was created and how long it took to have that equity created in that property in Arizona, in Nevada, in Indiana, how long it was owned, and then that gives you an idea of the equity that's able to be used to go and continue to grow the portfolio. So in Arizona, the average sale price was around just under 300,000. The average equity created among our clients who sold homes in Arizona last year, the average equity created was over $160,000. And on average, those individuals had owned that home for about seven years. So Nevada, the average uh, equity created was over 200,000. The average person though had owned that home for 10 years, okay? In, in now some of the markets that we're still currently in, in Indiana, the average equity that had been created was over 60,000. That property on average of the clients who sold in Indiana, they'd owned it for about four and a half years. In Tennessee, the equity created was over 80,000. Those who sold had hung onto it for six years. Same with Florida, almost identical to Florida. And, and Oklahoma even did really well, right? For the people that had owned real estate and sold real estate in Oklahoma. So just to give you an idea, I mean, it is, uh, it's pretty awesome when you take a look at the overall perspective when you actually look at the numbers. What's so cool about this is it's like a case study of actual real estate, right? This is not like, okay, well, I wonder, you know, is everything you guys are talking about, is it real, is it not real? Listen, you can go and look at all the annual acquisition reports from 2013 to 2021. What's so cool is this is a great case study for anybody that's wondering, does real estate work? You don't have to take our word for it. You don't even have to be our client. Just go look at these numbers and look at this type of home. You guys know what we do. This is Moneyball Real Estate. This is hitting singles. Go look at what the averages have been over the years, and it should help you paint a really powerful picture of what a bunch of little micro wins could do, right? How micro wins can lead to mega wins when it comes to real estate, when it comes to wealth creation, how going and hitting real estate singles can be really, really profitable, even though it doesn't seem too exciting or too sexy right up front. So we wanted to show that to you guys. You guys, when this podcast drops, you'll be able to go on dfy-realestate.com. You'll click on see the results. You'll see a button that says 2021. You can go and look at this report and kind of get some of the information for yourself. Steve, any last words before we wrap this episode? No, other than, you know, real estate is one of those things. It's a numbers game. 
And it's important to track the numbers over a long period of time so that you can just continue to, you know, make better and better decisions. And that's what we've been trying to do. And it's kind of fun to go to be able to look back now, right? Look back. It's like nearly 10 years now, nearly a full decade of numbers. And it's, it's kind of, it's kind of neat actually. And, and almost overwhelming to look, it's like, holy cow. It's like, like, this is really cool. And you almost have to be a little bit nerdy, a little bit engineer-ish in order to really love and enjoy this kind of thing. And so not everybody is. But some people who are, this is for you. And let me end with this thought. Because if you're not that engineering type, let me tell you what is so cool about these numbers. You don't have to understand the numbers. You don't have to understand the analysis. What you can understand is that all of these numbers are attached to real people who've really done real estate and who've really seen a massive positive benefit in their life. That's probably my favorite things When I think about this, when I look at these numbers, it's like viewing the matrix, right? Maybe not everybody sees it, but I don't just see numbers. Steve, I know you don't either. I see people. I see families. I see stories. I see cash flow that's been created. I see vacations that were taken. I see retirements that were achieved. I see income that was replaced. And I realize, oh my goodness, real estate has made a profound impact on these folks bit by bit, one property at a time, over time. It is so real. It is so tangible. It is so incredible and so powerful. And it is just meaningful. And I just freaking love it. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. We appreciate you guys. Have an awesome week. And we'll talk to you real soon. Take care. Thanks so much for listening to Replace Your Income with Steve and Kevin. If you're not subscribed already, be sure to head over to your favorite podcasting platform and do that now. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you could do us a quick favor and rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. This lets the platform know that we're doing something right and that people like the content. It'd be a huge help and we would be super grateful. Also, be sure to head over to dfy-realestate.com and request your free income replacement estimate. We'll jump on a quick call and put a free and personalized income replacement estimate report together for you. Your report will show you a step-by-step plan of how you can begin replacing your income one property at a time, starting right away with the resources you already have. It only takes a few minutes, but could change the trajectory of your entire financial future. So until next time, just remember, income replacement for you and your family may only be one property away. See you next week.